it's a great joy to have uh, Jared McKenna with uh, us this morning. Jared has been with us before, last year, and uh, did a great job. He's become a dear friend, great brother, and um, he's, uh, he's here. He's part of the 24-7 conference with us last weekend, which was wonderful to have him there. Um, and then he stayed on because um, he'll maybe tell you a little bit himself. He felt the Lord tell him to walk the whole of that border, north and south border, before he went home. So he's uh, three days into it, started Thursday, and so he's got a day off from walking. So uh, hopefully you'll notice that he, he hopefully not walked too much up here, but I can't, uh, I can't promise because he probably needs a bit of a rest. But it's been great to have you here. Thanks for taking time out, Jared, to come and be a part of us this morning. He's going to be continuing with our theme of hospitality this morning. So why don't we give him a port it round of applause. Can we do that as he comes? Let me pray for you. Stretch your hand out if you would, and um, let's just bless um, Jared. Lord, we thank you for, um, Lord, your son, uh, our friend, our brother. And Lord, we pray that your spirit, Lord, would be upon him now. We welcome him here, Lord. We receive what he is carrying and the word that you've put in his heart. Give us open hearts to what you want to say to us through him. And Lord, we pray for him that as he gives out this morning that he would receive that he would see and know and feel and become aware of the blessing of the Lord as he speaks. Let your favor rest upon him right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Alan. Um, I love this brother dearly. Like in a very short amount of time, Alan and Rach have become very important to me. So I want to start by honoring you both and uh, what God is doing through you here. And Chris, thanks for having me back again. It's wonderful and blessings for, for you and Deb. Let an Australian in the pulpit, who knows what will happen. But it's lovely to be back with you lot. Last time I was here, I showed this slide, I think. Do we have the slides there? Bum, ba, da, ba, through the wonders of modern technology. I had just gotten married. And I bring the slide up again to say a uh, personal update. Um, Kathleen's pregnant. Uh, we're expecting a boy. And uh, poetically and prophetically, it, this little boy is due on Easter Sunday. So I shared that merely because um, I'm really happy and uh, it's really exciting. Um, as somebody who has, has fostered, as somebody who has a 23-year-old son who clearly both by my age and uh, the way I look compared to the way he looks is not my biological son. He's uh, 23 and 6 foot 5 it means so much to me that there is talk of the church adopting this morning. It's beautiful. I mean, it is, it is a sign of God's new world breaking in. So thank you. Thank you for the way you love. Thank you for the prophetic sign that that is this morning. Hi, Rach. <laughs> um, this morning, uh, we're going to be in Genesis 18. So for those who have their Holy Scriptures with them this morning, we're in Genesis 18. But to frame some of Genesis 18, before we open it up, I wanted to reference just two verses from the book of Hebrews that has direct reference to one of the central parts of your DNA as a people. For Emmanuel, hospitality is central because it's central to the gospel. Hospitality is central to who God is. Hebrews 13 verse 1 reads, keep on, keep on loving each other 
as sisters and brothers. Verse 2 uses the same term with a little bit extra added on that you encountered in the first verse. Verse 2 reads, Do not forget to entertain strangers. And for those who aren't familiar with the Greek, you might have missed that the word for sisters and brothers that's used in the verse prior is actually used again in this verse where we presently are. The word there for strangers in the Greek is literally philo, so brotherly, sisterly love. And then the word xenia. Now, in Australia, we use the term xenophobia. Are people familiar with that term? Two Greek words, phobia, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Xenophobia, fear of strangers. The biblical, the New Testament, the word for strangers is the word brotherly, sisterly love for the other. Isn't that beautiful? That's the word for hospitality that we encounter. And the word stranger here, for by doing so, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. If we can turn back before I pray to Genesis 18, I'm going to read this very strange text about two very odd old people who have a very awkward encounter with the living God. Genesis 18, and I'll start at verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. By the way, anybody know why Abraham is probably sitting by his tent in the heat of the day? Anybody know, remember what happened earlier in the week for Abraham? Abraham's had a very awkward self-imposed operation. Uh, The term that is used is circumcision, and if you're not sure what that is, please ask your pastors afterwards. I'm not going into it. Abraham's in pain, and so the heat of the day, he's not moving much at all. Verse 2, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried (laughs) Ouch! from the entrance of his tent and met them and bowed low. To the ground. Verse 3. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, singular, three figures, singular, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought. And then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get something for you to eat so you can be with me, refreshed, and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, as you say. So Abraham, again, awkward, hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of fine flour and knead them and bake them into the bread. Then he ran to the herd, selected choice tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds, milk, and the calf that had been prepared and set them before them. While they ate, he stood under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent. Then the Lord said, 
I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. By the way, anybody remember how old Sarah is at this stage? She's a younger love for 99-year-old Abraham, so she's a tender 90 years old. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old, advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. No kidding, she's 90. (laughs) Verse 12, so Sarah laughed, as you would, to herself and thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? What's interesting in the Hebrew is that this isn't the pleasure of making children. It's the pleasure of making children, if you know what I mean. Verse 13, then the Lord said to him, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing of his word. I love how that passage ends. Yes, you did laugh. Let me pray for our time together. Lord, uh, I just sense that you have for some people who sit on the precipice of this next stage of their life something in this morning for them. That hospitality hasn't been imported to some people sitting here, but this morning is the morning where they see that it is not just the heart of the gospel, it is the heart of their own lives as well. Lord, we thank you for the way that you've welcomed us in Jesus, and we ask as your church, we might be a people that welcomes others as you have welcomed us. So Holy Spirit, in this space right now, we ask that your will would be done, your kingdom would come on earth, in us, as it is in your very presence. So Lord, may the words on my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for truly you are our strength and our redeemer. And all those who love God and want to know God more said, Amen. If you would help me preach this morning, there's two maybe main things I'd like you to take away with you. If you'd turn to your neighbour and say, Neighbour, the pain of obedience is worth the pleasure of his presence. Yes, that is a reference to the circumcision, but we'll come back to it. One other thing, if you'd help me preach this morning, if you'd turn to your neighbour and say, Neighbour, hospitality births the unimaginable. This particular text, church, has been incredibly important for theologians from the early centuries, The theologians refer to this text as a theophany, one of the places where God, God's self, shows up. We have an icon from 
the Roman Orthodox Church, which is incredibly important to some of us. Do we have that one there? This is called the Rublev icon. And for the Orthodox, uh, you cannot depict God other than God in the incarnation where we see Christ Jesus. But in the Orthodox iconography, um, uh, God the Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity, will only ever be depicted as a, a hand from which three things emanate, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God the Father will never be depicted. The Orthodox would never have God as an old man on the, in a cloud because that's heresy. Um, God the Father is not a man. And you're like, wait, what, 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 what? No, no, no. In terms of Christian doctrine, God the Father is not a man. It's a, name of, a way of naming a mystery that is faithful to the Scriptures that we can only understand in the Scriptures if we enter into it. And so one of the ways that the church talked of God as Trinity was this particular story of hospitality. The early church heard in this story that we've just read, God in God's three persons visiting. And so even the theology of the icon, you'll notice that the faces of all three figures are the same. In the middle, you have one who's covered in both the color of red, the earth, as in Adam from the earth. And that garment covers the full body, and yet there is another garment that covers as well, and it's blue, of the divine. That figure is Christ. So the angel in the middle of the visitation is Christ. And you'll notice on one side that there is the blue and the green, the spirit of all life, the Holy Spirit, you see depicted at the side of the table, and God the Father in the red and the blue on the other side. Now, for the early church, this particular story was about the hospitality of God and the strange play that when we entertain others, we welcome God. The icon itself is written, and the Orthodox talk about you don't draw or paint icons because icons are a text. And it's written in such a way that it's open, with an open invitation. The reason why there is not someone sitting at this part of the table is because this is an altar call. This icon is an altar call for you to find your place at the table of hospitality. And this very text itself in its awkwardness was a way of the early church talking about that we are to become a people who take our rightful place at the table and become a people who invite others to that table. So the text itself in talking about hospitality, and uh, some of you know some of my story and we've hung out before, but I've spent my whole adult life living um, with those who otherwise wouldn't have a home. Um, started two intentional communities, lived in three, and people coming out of jail, uh, people who have otherwise been living on the streets, uh, um, kids who would otherwise not have a home. My adult life has been lived in community with those who otherwise wouldn't have a place to stay. And in the last six, seven years has been lived with refugees in particular, um, literally the strangers who, because of war... Um, and, and here's a little secret that I don't often tell and would sound like an awful thing to say if I hadn't actually spent my adult life doing just this. But working with refugees is so much easier than working with the average Aussie who's got a drug addiction who you invite into your home. I would take a Syrian engineer who has lost everything and just wants a restart over someone who's grown up in my country 
who the power of addiction is. And you're like, Jared, that's an awful thing to say. And I'm like, well, it would be if that had not been my whole life, if I had not spent all, all my time. And I have many, many, many awkward stories of both the pain of obedience and the pleasure of God's presence. The text in Hebrews talks about do not forget to entertain. And uh, I did a funeral earlier this year um, to a dear friend who um, God worked an amazing work in her life. And though it was a tragedy, she died so young. We give thanks for all the incredible things and the transformation that happened in her life. Uh, she came to Christ. Um, uh, she herself was homeless. And um, uh, she came to Christ as a lawyer who, on the other side of her alcohol addiction, started volunteering with um, those who... Do you remember the Australians who were executed in Bali for drug smuggling? She volunteered her services to these men that some of you will know um, uh, Hillsong musicians also supported and were very involved in. And she was so moved by their faith that um, she contacted a friend and said, well, I live in Perth, who should I hang out with? And they, knowing a little bit of her story, herself being homeless, her, herself as a youth, um, and then um, her history with alcoholism, said, Pastor Jared, at this particular church, you need to spend time with him. Kylie rocked up twice, two Sundays in a row, and didn't leave her car. I got one text the second week saying, I'm not going to a building to hang out with a bunch of homophobes. And then she turned around. The third week, she texted again, and she said, I'm here. I said, well, there is a place, an open seat for you right next to me. We've been waiting for you. We're praying for you. We're ready to see you. Kylie has this incredible story. Does anybody know Jimmy Barnes? Australian rock legend, working class man, tough crowd. <laughs> I, I don't know who the um, uh, Northern Irish equivalent of a, a maybe Van Morrison um, uh, Jimmy Barnes is, is a legend in Australia. And Kylie has this fascinating story which relates to this particular text where she was going to see Jimmy Barnes with some of her closest friends. And she gets into uh, the lift uh, elevator in the hotel. And um, there's this guy, uh, not a bad-looking guy, who's also in the lift. And the lift stops halfway down. And they're stuck before the Jimmy Barnes show for over an hour in the lift. And Kylie, in her gregarious way, she's like, I'm Kylie. And he goes, I'm James. And uh, she's like, well, what are you doing here? And, um, you know, and she's a massive fan. And he says, oh, I'm actually here for the Jimmy Barnes show. And she goes, me too. And then she says, you kind of look like him. <laughs> and he says, I hear that a lot. And then she goes, what's your favourite song? And uh, he, he starts singing. And she goes, you sound quite a bit like him. <laughs> but if you want to make it more like Barnsey and st starts correcting Barnsey on what Barnsey sounds like, she didn't realise she was stuck in a lift with Barnsey. This is the Jimmy Barnes. He introduced himself as James, but she's never been up this close. She thought she looked kind of older than what he looks like on the posters. She's still got the memory of him as a young man as a rock star versus Jimmy Barnes in his late 50s as a rock star. And so she's stuck in... And so they're singing cold chisel hits in the lift and Jimmy Barnes hits in the lift together. And it's not until the lift starts working again they get down the bottom and the doors open and not only are her mates there who have been waiting for her but his family 
and Diesel are there waiting for him, that the whole thing clicks. She's like, oh my goodness, I just taught Jimmy Barnes how to sing Jimmy Barnes songs. <laughs> and there is something in the nature of hospitality, in this icon and in this text, that Abraham actually gets from the start. And those who have gone deep in hospitality realise that this isn't about encountering merely another. This is about encountering Christ in the other. One of the towns that we walked through on this uh, border peace pilgrimage that we're doing um, had a, a, a large uh, a Quaker mill and a Quaker um, uh, meeting house. Quakers in the 17th century, this revival movement in Christianity, in this neighbourhood of the world, they talked about that of God in everyone. Christian hospitality is about acknowledging that of God in everyone. In chapter 18, verse 1, it starts with an acknowledgement of the Lord. The Lord appeared. If you take nothing else home from this morning's sermon, hospitality is about the appearance of the Lord in strangers. Christian hospitality is not, I will do unto them in a hope that somebody might do unto me. Christian hospitality is, I will do unto them as Christ has done unto me. With a deep awareness that somehow Abraham knows this person, as annoying and sometimes smelly and uh, uh, disfigured and you know, disorientated as sometimes practicing hospitality can be, hospitality is a messy business. Hospitality will require, when you're maybe sore because you have been obedient to God, you running around. But if you approach it like Abraham with a deep sense that the Lord is present, present in the same way that we celebrated God's presence in worship, and this morning in particular, those who are listening to Pastor Alan, when he drew us to the table, how much more so where God promises to be present, do we not merely want to remember in our own sense, but in a Jewish sense where we enter into the history of that happening and make that our own? Christian hospitality is about acknowledging God shows up in those who are going to disrupt my calendar and my agenda with his very presence. Part of Abraham's response we see here. As he hurried to the entrance, in verse 2 it says, he bowed low. Now some of us crazy Pentecostal types like me, or um, uh, wacko charismatic types like me, we love a bit of carpet time. Do people know what I mean by carpet time? Holy Spirit carpet, and when the ghost is in the room and you can't get up. And most of the time, those who are familiar with those uh, cultural particularities, we go back, not forward, right? Back because of the power. This is forward because of the beauty. It's subtle, but it's different. See, so many of us, we have cultures where we fall out in the spirit. But what really matters is how we get up and walk in the spirit. I don't care which way you fall out or up or forward. But what's happening here is about honour. Abraham in these three visitors that he doesn't know and yet somehow supernaturally knows that it's the presence of God, he falls forward on his face to honour the other. 
Christian hospitality, what's written into the DNA of Emmanuel Church, is the kind of honour shown to others as if they were angels. Because, according to this text, and according to Hebrews 13 verse 2, when you entertain strangers, don't forget that some of us have actually welcomed in the messages of God. Now, sometimes those messages, they come with tracks down their arm. Sometimes those messages need a shower and a place to stay. Sometimes those messages speak with such a thick accent that it's awkward. Sometimes those messages don't eat the food you serve and you don't know why. But the importance of actually welcoming the stranger is that, much like in Matthew 25, both sheep and goats at the final judgment say, when did we see you? Both don't recognise, and yet one group is struck with the reality that whatever I did to the least of these, that was Christ camouflaged. That was God coming to me, dressed as those who are clearly not me, not my tribe, not my side, not my side of town, not my class, not my religion, not my race. And Christ was camouflaged as them? Part of what is built into Christian hospitality is a God who comes to us as a stranger. And worship is about honour. And hospitality is about worshipping God by honouring those who are different to us. And nothing in practice says what God is like than welcoming those who are different to us. Because that is how Christ has welcomed us. Romans 15 verse 7 says, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, for this brings praises to our God. Do you want to bring praises to God? Our worship sets are fantastic. Our music this morning was beautiful. I'm a happy, clappy, born-again, spirit-filled, Bible-loving, Jesus-loving Christian. But if I really want to bring praise to God, welcome those who are different to you. Welcome those you disagree with. Welcome those that you've been told are definitely not in. Those that culture says, they're not us, they're not in, Christ says, I'm hiding there, welcome them in. If that is confrontational to you, me too. But nothing speaks of the gospel than our prejudices and our pride, contempt being poured on them as we welcome because we know the gospel, such a divine love, requires our soul and our all. I'm aware of the time, and you can sense that this text is so rich and we could spend like days, weeks, months on it. But I want to quickly catch in verse 6 where it talks to hurrying to the tent. Again, in terms of Abraham's sacrifice, he has just circumcised himself. I would not want a 99-year-old man circumcising me as a grown man, and yet that's definitely what he's just done to Ishmael, let alone to himself. I can't imagine the kind of pain he is. But the pain of obedience, and sometimes we're asked to give certain things up, like our comfort, like our safety. These things that we think are actually giving something up are actually preparing us for what God wants to bring. And what God wants to bring first and foremost is God's very presence. 
See, if Abraham saw this as, oh no, these people have rocked up and I've just given all this to God and I don't have time for this. Don't they know the sacrifice that I've just made? Abraham, of all people, has many excuses to not welcome these three strangers. Yet there is something that has happened for Abraham in his worship, in his sacrifice, that has prepared his heart, that when the stranger arrives, he knows what that sacrifice was for. He knows the pain of obedience was actually setting him up for the pleasure of God's presence. And so though it will hurt, run, hurry. When those who would otherwise annoy you that you would see as a frustration that are going to get in the way of your agenda and your checklist of what you have to do today and there's somebody who needs a meal and you'd just be tempted to throw a few coins, run. Christ comes to us and will mess with our schedules and it will bother us. But that is actually where the conversion is found. St. Ambrose, one of the early church fathers, writing on this particular text where it talks about um, what Sarah prepared. Um, it, It talks about curds, milk and a calf. Ambrose poetically writes that what we are to prepare for God is our faith, our hope and our love and we offer that back. Now it's clearly not in Genesis 18, but man, it'll preach. There is something so poetic and prophetic in what Ambrose is saying that our preparation what we do here in singing isn't merely for here God forms us for out there hospitality is something that might start in how we welcome those who have never been to church before but it doesn't end there this is a launching pad you leave the table to the world to bring the table out into the world You've just shared in the body and blood of Christ as the body and blood of Christ. So you go and be that, not in a way that, hey, I'm bringing Jesus. Because there's something about Christian hospitality that isn't, here's me bringing God to you. But here's me encountering God in you. Can you hear how different that is? It's a different spirituality. One is, I'm right, I have the answers, Bible under arm, you come and believe like me and you'll be saved. The other is, I am going looking for where Christ is hiding amongst those that I would expect never to find him. And even though my prejudice say never here, never amongst them, that is the exact place where Christian hospitality is practiced and we find God in the most surprising and transformative ways. If your spiritual walk is boring, If you feel a bit dead in your prayer life, if worship doesn't move you, practice hospitality. Open your home to those who are different to you. And I promise, songs will come alive in ways that you haven't felt in years. Prayer will become something you need to do. I mean, I have so many stories after, you know, 16, 17 years of practicing hospitality daily, my roof being shared with the last hundred, uh, the last seven years with over a hundred recently arrived refugees in my own home. And you're like, how do you do that? Stories for another time. I have so many stories that are incredibly painful yet funny. There is not one of them that hasn't transformed me. Even the pain of knives being pulled on me, people um, dodging bail conditions and $6,000 that I'll never see again, 
being left with nothing but used syringe and hardcore pornography when we've poured our life and led them to the Lord and got them work. And then they've not only stolen everything of value in our house, but then done our neighbors' houses as well. So they're like, those fill in the blanks, Christians, why do you guys move into our neighborhood and do all this stuff? These are people who are trying to get out of this neighborhood and you keep inviting them back in here. That is something of the joy. And then it's like, be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. And that is something of both the joy and the pain of obedience. But the pleasure of his parent presence is worth all of that. It's worth all of that. There is this strange thing in the text where Sarah laughs. Sarah laughs and Abraham was found laughing in the chapter before. But a bit like maybe some of you have been called to start something in your city that people are like, how's that going to happen? There's a laughter of, that's amazing. That's great. Bless you. How can I help? And then there's laughter of, well, good luck with that. Abraham's laugh, the chapter before, is the kind of laughter that you bring your doubt to worship and see God do something. Sarah's laughter right here is the kind of laughter of cynicism. Part of the encouragement I want to leave you, your DNA as Emmanuel Church is to practice hospitality because God has been hospitable to you. With the doubt, with the pain, let it laugh your heart open, not closed. Abraham's laughter responded with obedience, even in terms of what he did to him, himself, Ishmael, and any other young fellows he could find at the time as well. The pain of the obedience, he laughed his heart open. Don't let a cynical laughter form on the other side of hospitality. Hospitality will be hard the kind of hard that it is to stay in the place where God will transform you. God showing up is going to require something. If you pray for revival, get ready for those who you otherwise wouldn't expect to see in church on a Sunday. That's who you've been praying for. If you can't welcome them as they rock up on a Sunday, your prayers for revival mean nothing. That's who you've been praying for. You're like, oh, but... She's still wearing a hijab and she wants to serve coffee on a Sunday morning. Real situation at the church that I served for a decade. Yeah. And you're like, well, we would welcome other people to, to serve, regardless of whether they've made a commitment to Jesus. We're just glad they're here. Or they made a commitment to Jesus and her husband still wants her to wear that, but she's trying to faithfully serve him as a new Christian. It's going to get uncomfortable. Because when we open ourselves to God showing up, Jesus tends to bring the most random people with him. All those that Jesus hangs out with all the time. And if we want something safe, polite and middle classes, there's other churches to go to. (laughs) But if you want to see revival, get ready for the ratbags and praise God when they come. Praise God when they come. Obedience might hurt but the pleasure of his presence is worth it after giving their faith their hope and their love to quote ambrose all these curds and uh, the milk and the calf there's this other strange thing that i want to mention as we finish this morning 
that there is an announcement that Sarah will give birth. For some of us, even reading that text brings to mind painful things. Some of us have lost things that are incredibly dear to us. Some of us have prayed prayers that haven't been answered. Some of us long for what they've experienced. I mean, Abraham is in a situation where he tried to engineer prophecies. You done that before? Confession time? Abraham, generations will be as numerous as the stars. Not yet. Hagar, she's a bit of all right. It's a horrific story. And yet God is the God who hears. Hagar is the first woman to name God in the Old Testament. The God who hears. And God still blesses, even though Abraham's disobedience, with Ishmael. But there's still Isaac, the one who's named for the laughter. Whether it's the faithful laughter of doubt that laughs our hearts open or the doubt that causes cynicism and laughs because we can't see God doing it. But part of welcoming God into this place, well, you will see birth the unimaginable. And part of that is painful. Like, I have friends that I prayed to come to Christ and they died of drug addictions. And then I saw other friends come to Christ and get saved from drug addictions. I can't explain that. I don't have a nice and easy answer for that. I certainly don't want to wear the game of those who try and make it a formula and blame certain things. There is a messiness to hospitality. There is a messiness to the openness that welcomes God in. If we're going to stand in the place where the God who's seen clearly in Jesus and reflected in the rest of the Holy Trinity, we have to stand in the reality that God is nothing but the love we see in Jesus and trust in that even though things are about to get real messy. But the promise of this text is that as we invite God in, what will be birthed is the unimaginable. What's unimaginable in your life that would look like the kingdom? What do you feel like? I'm 99 years old and it's over for me. I remember that stuff that God did back then. But I'm on the other side of that now. What would it be to laugh at that which was hard in ways that laughed your life open? That you could see birth the unimaginable in your own life. Who is it that you fear to invite in? Because what would be more scary is that they would be touched by God and their life transformed. And it's actually more comfortable to keep them out. Who are the people in our prisons? Who are the people sleeping on our streets? Who are the people dealing drugs to our kids? Who are the people that we're like, not them, Lord? And yet Christian hospitality, in the very DNA of what this church is, says, I am praying for them. And I am called to welcome them as Christ has welcomed me. This morning, how real is that welcome for you? Because if it's not, you won't. (laughs) That's it. If it's not real, you won't welcome Why would you? It's hard. But if you do know that love divine, press in. Open up. Run 
even though in the pain of obedience, there is the promise of the pleasure of his presence. What is it for you this morning that would stand in the way of God's very presence showing up in ways that you can't imagine? As I hand back this morning, and we just give our hearts time to respond to this message, it's my prayer above all else that you can hear hospitality is the heart of the gospel. Hospitality is what we've been invited into. And many of us in moments such as this one right now have prayed to invite Jesus into our hearts. That is our first act of hospitality. But here's the thing. God wants to invite you into God's heart for those that you see as strangers. That's what happens. When you let Jesus into your heart, he will drag the rat bags he hangs out with. Those people are now your people. Those that the newspaper headlines make fun of and demonise, they're your people. Those that others would say, well, at least we're not them. Oh, the Roma community. Those on the other side of a particular conflict. Those who live on that side of town. If you are marked by the hospitality of Jesus, they're the exact people you're called to. They're the exact people you're invited to invite them in. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your kind invitation to us. We thank you for the example of problematic heroes such as Sarah and Abraham and the example that it is to bring the messiness of our lives, both the hopes not realised and the pain of feeling like we're over the hill. And Lord, we ask with those feelings that we would trust that your promises are about to come to pass, that you want to birth the unimaginable on the other side of opening to you. So we ask, Lord, that we might open to you and do what we need to do in this space right now, that we might open to those that you long to love through us. So Holy Spirit, do your will. Have your way. We surrender all that Christ might be all in all in us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.